here's Frito and Shivers. All right. Thank you, Jessica. This is Frito, and I'm here with David Shivers, and we're starting this podcast called The Walk. Good morning. And, and it's really interesting the way this has come about because, David, I have been talking sports for the better part of close to three decades now. And it's it's a blast. It's a whole lot of fun. I enjoyed every minute of it. But starting about, really about three years ago, when you baptized me, uh-huh. and I started hanging, and I called it hanging out with the clergy, you know, <laughs> hanging out with you and Pastor Graham and Scott Seal and Jared Stevens out, out of Prestonwood, I started feeling like, man, these guys are changing lives. Mm-hmm. And all I'm doing is talking about whether you should punt on fourth and two. But we're having fun. Yes. We're having fun, for yes. sure. So I started thinking, Don't make man, it too heavy. Well, I'm not making – well, no, you're changing lives. You are. And I start thinking, man, what I'm doing is so insignificant because all I'm doing is, once again, hey, should you bunt with a runner at first with no outs? You know, things right, like that. Right. But the Important things I'm talking stuff. about are very insignificant. And, you know, and that's what everyone – just about everyone that's in that industry – that's been talking sports for a while, Norm Hitzkis is of the world and stuff, mm-hmm. they understand that. And they understand right. that, you know, we're talking about the playground of life. And I started actually getting to the point where I think I want to do something a little bit more significant. And my idea for this podcast is to try and change lives and, 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 and talk to, to men and, and women and maybe have some influence over their lives. While your idea... Right. That is a great background on kind of what God's been doing in and through your life, your heart. Uh, it's been an incredible blessing for myself. I know I speak for Pastor Graham and the rest of our leadership uh, just to watch you, um, watch Christ in you and God do uh, a work in your life that's been uh, fantastic, supernatural, driven of God's Spirit. But having served at Prestonwood now in my 15th year and... Um, having gone to seminary, but also having a background very closely tied to and impacted by sports, I was a fan of yours and and listened and has have been an admirer of you and Norm and what you've done at The Ticket, at ESPN, and all of the different places where God has used you as, as a, a pastor, but one who, who loves and is passionate about sports. I've always thought... An alternative in our world, Mark, that blends our passion and our desire, what we need here in this Dallas-Fort Worth area, and the world in general, not just here locally, but uh, where we can take our our desire and our passion for sports and also kind of blend and marry it, if you will, to our our walk and our our passion uh, for Jesus and and what we as men want to uh, be about as followers of Christ and I've always told my kids, my wife, people that I do life with, just the impact of how sports has shaped so much of of who I am uh, as a man Mm -hmm. and as a father, as a follower of Christ. And there's imagery all through the New Testament. Well, your your background, you played basketball at SMU, and then you played for the Washington Generals. Generals, yeah. And, and for those that don't know who the Washington Generals are, that's the team that plays the Globetrotters. So you've traveled all over the world playing basketball. Absolutely. And I tell people all the time, it's it's kind of comical. As the Washington Generals, we're teeing it up for the Harlem Globetrotters. And, I mean, we lost every game for two-plus years that I traveled. And 
I had a great time out there, but just lessons in humility, great ministry preparation for just serving others and entertaining others. And uh, we got to see and experience cultures all over uh, the world. And God opened just some amazing doors, uh, Mark, for me to, to get to take the gospel uh, literally around the world, as you mentioned, through the game of basketball. Okay, so we've covered... You know, your time with the generals, you know, we're going to talk about the time you spent in the NBA and working your way through those locker rooms. What are you doing now? So currently I'm serving as minister of men and outreach at uh, Prestonwood Baptist Church under the leadership of Dr. Jack Graham. And you're a huge sports fan. As a matter of fact, you performed the the marriage, the wedding for my sister-in-law and the rehearsal, you showed up with a Bible and the sports page in the Bible. And my father-in-law noticed that right away and said, oh, you know, got the sports page. And you said my, the, the two most important pieces of literature, That's the right. sports page and the Bible. Well, the newspaper and the Bible, for me, it's the sports page because I want to know what's going on in the world of sports. And I obviously want to know, you know, as God is working in my life, where he's leading me, where he's directing me. And so I built the foundation uh, of my life, Mark. And you and I have walked this thing out the last couple of years on uh, the truth of God, who he is, and what he's revealed about himself, the heartbeat of God. Uh, in his word, Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Psalm 119, 89 and 90 says, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues to every generation. And so um, God's word is its all I have. It's all I am. It's its the, the key component of, of any man's life. So when I'm trying to think of a podcast like The Walk and a podcast that marries sports and faith, yep. I can't think of a better co-host than someone who carries the sports page around <laughs> in their Bible. Well, I, amen. I don't have much to say to that other than thank you and amen. Here we go. You're one of the biggest sports fans I've ever met. And, you know, you and the other guys love talking sports. So I think this is a, a good mix <laughs> between the two. And, you know, something that I always talked about Right. Um, on the air and it's really funny even before i was saved uh -huh, you know uh -huh. i would talk about how insignificant sports was and how people including myself would take it way too seriously and it was eye-opening for me the first time i got into a locker room uh, specifically like a cowboy locker room uh -huh. to realize that i was taking the losses a lot harder than the players were <laughs> you know and that that was the first eye-opening yeah. thing for me the other thing that i would always get into arguments with with listeners about Mm -hmm. and, and, and it, it, it was always a debatable thing in sports about role models. Right. And Charles Barkley, you know, I'm not, I'm not a role model, stuff like that. Well, whether you want to be or not, when you're in that position, yeah, you're right. a role model. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I always talked about, and I love giving – I don't have any kids, so I love giving parental advice. You know, the, the guy that doesn't have any kids. <laughs> right, and you're an always, expert then. <laughs> I would always tell people, look – don't let your kids role models, if you're going to let them have a role model other than you, which I think is ridiculous myself. I mean, mm -hmm. you should be your kid's role model. Yeah, absolutely. But if, you're if you want to use an example, don't use the, the, the good guys, Peyton Manning or you know someone like that as an, a role model because those guys, they don't seem to make mistakes. And your kid mm -hmm. is going to make mistakes. And by the way, yeah. even the greatest role models make mistakes. Yeah, You just don't know about them. Absolutely. So to me, you sh if you're going to use a role model, I would go the opposite way. And I would say, look how that guy ruined his career because of drugs. Mm -hmm. Look how he screwed up. Yeah. And, and look what, and what making, can we learn from that yeah, situation? What making the wrong decision, just a split second decision that's wrong can completely ruin your life. 
Yeah. And and I would go with the negative role model rather than the positive one. Yeah, and I don't know if you were even thinking about this guy, but you and I, having grown up in similar time periods and being, you know, men in our mid-40s, uh, both knew about Lynn Bias. Yes. Uh, I think about Lenny Bias, who was a guy I watched as a kid, just a freak athlete, could go inside, outside, unbelievable. I think he was the number two overall pick by the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And um, one night, partying, choosing, like you said, to uh, partake in some drugs, and all of a sudden, heart attack, dead. May may have been a split-second decision. Yeah. Something he didn't even really think about. Absolutely. We have no idea what was going through his head, his mind, his heart, but but just uh, an absolutely uh, fantastic learning opportunity for... I have four young kids, and... um, I love what you said a moment ago, uh, Mark, about how uh, we as parents, uh, mom and dad, that that should be our primary responsibility, our primary aim and, and, and focus as, as a mom and a dad should be to model for our children. I mean, part of what we're going to be talking about uh, in this podcast, The Walk, is about what it means uh, to daily walk with Christ and what it means as a follower of Christ to to get up every morning, to get on your knees in prayer, to bring all of who you are to all of who God is, uh, the authority of his word, uh, and, and walking out, fleshing out a a desire, a relationship with Jesus that changes and transforms us little by little every day more and more into the image of his son Jesus. That's my hope as a father. That's my wife's hope as a mother. And what that looks like for our children is that we we pray daily uh, that they would be young men and women of faith, uh, Jackson, Julia, Audrey, and Truett, and that they would be young uh, men and women that see their mom and dad not perfect in any way, uh, broken, fragile, uh, imperfect, completely in need of a Savior, but that who are running to the cross every opportunity we can, every opportunity. We're running to the cross uh, when we when we do fail, when we when we do mess up because we need his grace his mercy and and his forgiveness yeah you know and, and that's one of the things about this the, the visions that we each have about this podcast and it may seem to a lot it probably seem to, to almost anyone listening that how are they going to mix sports and faith and and all that together and i think for for us it's going to be real natural mm-hmm. um i think we'll have some guests in that it'll be real natural also and one of the things that for sure that I think you know you you talk about the sports talk is missing that kind of ingredient mm-hmm. and and the world needs you know something a little bit different. One of the things I think is missing in the the religious world, and I'm probably going to be stepping on some toes here. Okay, okay. so tell okay. me if I am because my intentions are not bad. <laughs> okay, okay, is right. I think there's a lot of people that were like me. I talk about my focus group of one. Okay, okay. I went to church for a good decade. 10 years every weekend going mm-hmm. to church, you were calling me about once a month right? trying to get me to get baptized. And, and I was Checking just waiting for you. that moment. It wasn't like I was given a stiff arm to, to the word. Mm-hmm. I was, I was going, I was listening, I was enjoying and I was taking in, right? but I, I just wasn't ready to get baptized and, and go all in, which sounds awful. Right. But I think there's a lot of people that are right there that are right on the edge uh-huh. And they're willing to, to, to listen. They want to. They want to think about it. And they, mm-hmm. they want to get there. A lot like of, there's something missing. Yes. Like they know that they don't have it all together, but they're not sure exactly what that exactly. missing piece is. or what. And I would say it's a person. It's not about a particular... Well, the, the thing that we all know that's missing is it's Jesus. Yes. That one thing. 
And I think there's lots of programs out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, PowerPoint's a great one for people that are already believers. Absolutely. That have already basically gone all in. Challenge and, and, and encouragement t- in their walk, and, yeah. And you can tell them, I hope I didn't insult Pastor Graham, who, you know, <laughs> who is PowerPoint. I, I told him, you know, PowerPoint's kind of like Jesus 202 or 303. Uh-huh. And there's not too many resources for Jesus 101, okay. you know, for people that, that just haven't gotten all in yet. Gotcha. And and I kind of, you know, my vision for this is kind of give them a, a place where they can go where we're not going to be preaching to them and we're not going to be going really in-depth all the time. Right, right. But give them we're a place where... We're not parsing Greek verbs or yeah. uh, talking theology. Where they can be, you know, where people can be entertained, be mm-hmm. informed, mm-hmm. and, you know, and get some of the, the lessons that the Bible teaches. Absolutely. I think... The beauty of what you just said for me as I'm sitting and listening to it, Mark, is this marriage between faith and sports and how we compete on these ball fields and in these arenas and in ballparks uh, across the country, whether it's at the major league level or whether it's at the collegiate level or the high school or the middle school all the way down to peewee leagues and little leagues we compete athletically in this arena and then i think a lot of men women boys and girls they come to their faith in in christ or or their faith journey and they don't compete they just check in and say well i feel like i uh, i've and i'm speaking obviously in general terms Mm -hmm. over the mass this is going to sound stereotypical but a lot of these same people that go so hard at every stage of their life athletically on a ball field, in a gym, uh, in a ballpark, in an arena, then they come to their spiritual life and it's kind of like they dial it down to like a two or a three and as long as I'm making a C and as long as my good deeds kind of outweigh my bad deeds, uh, I'm okay and I don't really have to try that hard in this whole spiritual journey and my whole relationship with the Lord because all I'm trying to do is either check a box or keep the big man happy or get somebody else off my back because my old lady's telling me we ought to try church. Mm-hmm. One of the things also, talk about being my eyes being open when I walked into a locker room and realized that most of the players, and I don't blame them, don't get me wrong, they, they don't didn't take the losses as hard as I took the losses. And part of the reason for that is they can't. You know, these guys, that's their job. They have a game next right. week or a game tomorrow night, and they can't just highs sit there and just... High, the lows get too low, yeah. sure. And, and the, as a sports fan, that's the way I was. So that was eye-opening for me. One of the things that was really eye-opening for me when I really went all in um, at church and with Christ mm-hmm. and going to Bible studies and stuff like that, first of all, was eye-opening how welcoming everyone is. I was always really intimidated to walk into a church because I don't know anything. Right. I mean, I still am a little intimidated when I go to these classes, and I know that yeah. uh, out of everyone in the class, I know the least as far as scholarly Bible stuff, okay? Because <laughs> I, don't know I didn't, I didn't grow up you know, memorizing verses and stuff. Or I'm talking about the that. stories, yeah. But the other real eye-opening thing, other than how welcoming everyone is, mm-hmm. how open and honest they are, and what you realize is that everyone has problems. No question. And, you know, I think what we've gotten to, and this is going to sound very over my head, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Is we've gotten in the society where everyone, you know, judges p- other people's lives, which they shouldn't be doing, but by Facebook. Oh, okay, and, yeah. And what you see on Facebook is like the highlight reel. Now I can put whatever I want on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. All right. And and what you don't realize is, yeah, they're showing these great pictures of their vacation and everything, but mm-hmm. they got into a major argument on the way to the vacation or something like that. Everyone Absolutely. has issues. Yeah. And that's something that that was really eye opening to me the more I got involved in the church. Yeah. So that triggers just a couple of thoughts. 
uh, for me, Mark, uh, related to the kindness, the warmth, uh, the love, the, um, the authenticity that you uh, sensed and that you feel and that you experienced at, at Prestonwood, uh, John, in John chapter 13, Jesus, after he's washed the disciples' feet there in the upper room after their last meal, last few hours, really, that Jesus is a free man before he's handed over to the Roman authorities, he tells them in John thirteen thirty four and uh, and 35, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. And then it's by this love that the whole world will know that you are my disciples. And so we're commanded as followers of Christ, of Christ, a new command I give you, love one another. That this will be the defining mark. This will be the distinguishing characteristic that will set apart those who follow me and that know me and that trust me. That they will love one another. That they will lay down their life for one another. That they will sacrifice and be unselfish and be kind and, and welcoming. And uh, so to your point, Earlier, that's uh, what our hope and our prayer as uh, leaders in the in the body of Christ and, and in, a, in a church is that our church would be full of people who genuinely love and that care and that meet people uh, exactly where they are and where they're at. And and then secondly, to to follow up just on your point about how we all have issues, Jesus made it also clear just a a few moments later in John 16, that's still in that same upper room discourse, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. He says in John 16, at the very close of John 16, 33, he says, I've told you all of these things, he tells the disciples, I've told you all these things so that in me you might have peace. That in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so he looks at his disciples, these guys that he's going to have to exit stage right here momentarily, and he wants them to know he loves them, he cares about them, he spent three plus years investing his life, doing miracles, serving, giving with these guys. And you know, you just feel Jesus' heart in that moment of, guys, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult. This world's going to have trouble. They're going to be arguments with your spouse. You're going to blow it with your kids, and you're going to feel uh, like you just totally lost everything. But Jesus says, take heart. I've overcome the world. Find your peace in me. In me, you have peace. You don't find your peace. You don't find your success, your, your fulfillment, your contentment in this world because you're not created for this world. You were made for me. Okay, now, David, and the other thing about you is you've been in pro locker rooms. You, like I said, you were with the Generals, and you, you did spend some time in some NBA locker rooms as you're trying to work your way into the league. So you've been exposed, and you know how these young guys are and the, the things that they have access to and the trouble they can get into because of the money and the access. You know, you've played pickup games with a lot of these athletes, and I know a lot of them are, go to Preston Wood or have been in the gym with you, you know, playing basketball. So you've got relationships with a lot of these guys still that, you know, have the money and the access. Absolutely. And it's those relationships that uh, God's blessed and he's opened doors for. And my heart behind any relationship that God uh, gives or entrusts uh, to me, Mark, is just to love and to serve people exactly where they're at, uh, encourage them, challenge them with God's word, and hopefully move them closer uh, to Christ forward in their walk with the Lord. And sports are uh, a language that all of us speak a- a- around the globe. I mean, the the basketball and the travels, they just have given me a platform at different stages of my life, Mark, to be able to, to share with others the difference that Jesus has made in yeah, my life. You know, it also, when you walk into a locker room, or just think about a locker room, you don't even have to walk into one. Right. Think about an NFL locker room. 
the people in there are so diverse. There's 53 guys in an NFL locker room. And they come from different backgrounds. They Absolutely. have different, different political views. They got different religious views. There are different different spots in their faith. You have sure. some. I remember the the Cowboys locker rooms that I, that I got introduced to back in the nineties. That were the Super Bowl locker rooms. Uh-huh. And you've got the Troy Aikmans on one side of the locker room. You got Michael Irvin on the other side. And you couldn't have two more extreme type personalities. But football they had in common. And they both, you know, when you look at the football traits, they both worked their butts off. They both were great teammates in the locker room. But they mm-hmm. led completely different lifestyles outside the locker room. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you've got the ability in a locker room to really impact a lot of people from different types of, of paths and different, different part types, different times in their lives, right. you know, different moral thoughts. And I, I would think that, and I've said this before, that like, especially like an NFL locker room, right, right, one of the most diverse places that you could ever be. And, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, in a weird way, least judgmental right. and and like racial Accepting. prejudices are, are, are gone away. They're more because if you you know in, in in the NFL, if you can produce, it doesn't matter. No, yeah, it does not, it does matter. not and, matter. And you know, a lot be- of that is a bad thing because. When I say if you can produce, it doesn't matter. If you can produce, a lot of things get overlooked, and it gives you even more ability to maybe you know mm-hmm. not be the greatest person on the face of the earth. And you're right, absolutely. There is very diverse, uh, absolute diversity within that locker room, all different backgrounds, as you mentioned, uh, races, family backgrounds, religious beliefs, but the common goal and what unites them and what brings them all together is winning and they want to win. And and in the NFL, you and I both know it's all about that uh, Lombardi trophy and having Commissioner Goodell handed over to you and congratulate you on that stage uh, with the confetti coming down and your fans celebrating you. It's all about getting to that final game and winning uh, that Super Bowl. And so they all come together with this goal uh, of winning. And man, did we not just see a uh, incredible just this past week oh, the Super, Super Bowl? Bowl was amazing. It really Amazing. was. And, and, and to me, what the Super Bowl this year yeah. represented was how important it is that everyone is on the same page yep. and that everyone has that goal. And they all have that goal, mm-hmm. but they may have different ideas on how to get there. Right. And, you know, hey, the Atlanta Falcons coaching staff had a completely different mindset Man. than most coaching staffs would have with a 25-point lead in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And. I, I thought it was an incredible game. I mean, you and I both have talked about how you grew up here in Dallas. I grew up as a Cowboys fan from being a little kid. And so most all my memories related to the Super Bowl, the ones that are significant that stand out, are related to the Cowboys and their wins and their losses, even going back to the stallback days and losing to those dang hated Steelers. Steelers. But I found myself uh, loving I always pull for the NFC and loving that the Falcons were up 28 to 3 and then thinking they just got this in the bag I mean, there's only a couple minutes left in the third quarter when new england finally scored again and i'm thinking there's no way that he could do this there's no way and as poorly as brady played in the first half he played just that brilliantly in the second are you like me as you started watching the comeback you started actually you know you started <laughs> off rooting for the falcons but when i when, sure. that, when that comeback started and one of the things that i hate mm-hmm. and it's just it's just a a huge pet peeve of mine. Right. I hate watching stupidity. 
Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and as, as much of a cowboy fan as I am, and I'm a huge cowboy fan, yeah. I'll even get upset when the opposing coach does something stupid because I'm like, how can you be that stupid? Right. And that's what I found myself watching the the, the Super Bowl and watching the Falcons and watching them. Yeah. Almost neglect the fact that they had a 25 point lead and they continued to try and throw the ball when they didn't have to. And I'm thinking, yeah. How did you guys get to the Super Bowl with a coaching staff that just does not recognize this situation that you're in? Yeah, it's a it's a hard one to figure. Four running plays after they were up twenty five, up twenty eight three with the lead, and after that only ran four running plays. And then you just think about how we were talking just this morning at breakfast about Julio Jones pass, and you know a little over three minutes left, you're down on the twenty two yard line. I well think. within field goal range, well in an indoor stadium, range. no you wind. Just take a knee indoors, yeah, no wind, no elements, weather to account for. Take a knee three times, make the Patriots use some of their timeouts, get the clock on down there, and then you go up two scores. Hopefully, thinking you know you had a good kicker, Brian's solid kicker, yeah, and uh, you go up two scores with no timeouts and. A little over two minutes left. You got to be thinking we won this thing. You know, I'm telling you, Belichick and Brady, who are two very confident, well accomplished coach and quarterback that have been done some incredible things. Yeah, you've got to be thinking. Even they knew at halftime. Okay, look, even if we play a perfect second half, we're going to need a lot of help from that other sideline, and that other sideline gave them all the help they needed. Absolutely. And, and it sounds like I'm taking a lot away from Belichick and Brady. They still had to go out there and execute, yeah. and they had to make the plays and everything. But no. they would not have been in the position that they were in to take advantage of it if that Falcons land. coaching staff had just realized they could. It's almost like they didn't see the scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah. And it it just was, amazed me. I found myself secretly rooting for Brady. And then, like you said, not to take anything away from him, I think he threw for 246 yards in the fourth quarter. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. And then the execution of both of those two-point conversions. I don't know what your feeling is on two-point conversions, but I have no confidence at all when we need one. And I say we, and I mean Cowboys or some college team that I'm pulling for. I don't. I rarely think a two-point conversion is going to work. And they run the little high school hike the ball over the head fake the direct snap pseudo, to the running back yeah, and the quarterback snap, right at the like middle. It was over his head. yeah and then just a little jet bubble screen they block it perfectly and they scored both of them and everything had to work together perfectly just to get a tie it really did and by the way i would get fired as an nfl coach because i would go for two every time i'm a huge fan <laughs> now, of two why point is conversions. that because i don't think that a kicker should be important at all and so that has always bothered me kicker. and if if one point is so important well yeah. two points is even more important so go for two <laughs> i would be aggressive yeah. i would do that we and i would ask go, dan bailey about that you know you talk about in church about you know not being ashamed i wouldn't be ashamed at all i, I would go into the post-game <laughs> press conference if i lost and i'd say look i was just trying to win a game yeah. i wanted to go for two i know that sounds weird because i'm trashing the falcons yeah but i'll tell you this if i had a 25 point lead i'd probably go for one or i'd kick a field goal Everything changes with the 25-point lead. And one of the things that bothers me about coaches and football mm-hmm. is, and I understand why it is, they, they're very stubborn with their game plans. Yeah. And they're very slow to react. And a lot of coaches, even some of the best coaches, I think, have no ability to adapt to the game. Or to think on the fly. And, yeah, and to think to on the, the fly. Game. And part of yeah. the reason is they, they have that game plan. They start game planning for the team, and they put the game plan in. They're, they're right. so focused during the week, which they have to be, on that one game plan, 
that they don't, you know, I think that's what happened the to Atlanta. Tunnel vision. It's you know, just they hard know to one see way outside. to play. And they, yeah. they continue playing the one one way they know to play where, you know, to me, the coach needs to look at the scoreboard and say, okay, I can change the way I'm coaching now. Yeah, and you got two great – it wasn't like they have an inept running attack. I mean, I know they throw the ball around really well, and uh, Matty Ryan won the MVP, but, man, there's no shame, like you said, in handing the ball off, adapting, changing the game plan, and saying, look, we're going to sit on this lead. For, for a long time, I thought that the whole concept of halftime adjustments was way overrated. And I still do think that Man. to a certain extent in certain games they're overrated. Right. But the best coaches and the best coaching staffs are the ones that are able to look at their situation and say, hey, I need to change. Yeah. You know, I think Rick Carlisle here in Dallas oh, wow. is, is a guy that is great mm-hmm. at being – he's now he's stubborn – and don't yeah. get me wrong, but he can look at his lineup. He can look at his his roster and say, "Well, I might not be able to coach the way I want to coach, yeah. and I'm going to have to change if we're going to win." Yeah. So I think that's one of the best qualities of coach, and there's not that many of them that really have that quality because they they're so focused, and that's a good thing that, to be mm-hmm. so focused. But if you're so focused that you can't change, yeah, then that's going to cost you some games. No question. You're no question. I think Carlisle's proven that over the last several seasons, just with. Um, the different pieces that uh, Cuban and, and Donnie have tried to put around um, Dirk over the last several seasons, and he just keeps winning. They just keep winning. And I think that's a, a definitely a tribute, an attaboy, a feather in, in Rick Carlisle's cap. I, I mean, I, I outside of Popovich, I mean, I don't know who else. Carlisle's got to be in the top five or ten coaches in the in the league. I think ten's not even giving him his due credit. It's probably not. It, no. It's probably he's, he does so much with so little, and he can do a lot with a lot. Also, he, yeah. he's he's a type of coach who can adjust to to what he's you know the, the hand he's dealt. He's brilliant. All right, so if we talked enough sports in this first episode of the walk, yes, sir, Mister Friedman, I feel like we have. And in addition to sports, I hope and I know it's your heart as well that uh, our listeners, the audience, but that they would be uh, encouraged uh, not to be distracted by sports, enjoy sports for what they are, uh, but to keep their eyes as they walk uh, closely with Jesus squarely uh, fixed on him. Yeah, that's that's what this is all about, and that's the, the whole concept of this podcast is about you know watching sports, you know, like all guys do, and and maybe using sports as a way to, to further your, your walk. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully we can do that. Hopefully you've, you've enjoyed Spark this episode. Spark some conversations, engage others where they are. Exactly. And we promise that other episodes are going to be much better than this one because this is our first one. I kind of like the way it went. So, you know, please continue to subscribe to this podcast and, and listen to us as we get better together. Amen.